Afternoon, everyone. Hope you're good. If you're one of the few that stuck around yesterday, you will know we had a bit of a car crash with the technology and we couldn't get John Ware on the show, so we're going to need to rearrange that. And it would have been great to talk to him about American politics because it's, been, it's all been rather dramatic. The popcorn's out um, and, uh, and it still remains to be a, a really interesting mystery. So hopefully we can re recommence that show. But today we've got what we're going to do. First Wednesday of each month, we hope to do something in and around Wellbeing Wednesday. So we're testing the water today. We've, who's fast becoming one of my favorite people, favorite thinkers, someone I really enjoy chatting to both on and off mic. Uh, it's Joe Turner. So we're going to be talking about all things well-being, especially at this complex time. And I said that I wanted to say, spend a bit of time on, on vulnerability and what that means because it kind of came up quite a bit, in, uh, especially in the feedback that I've been getting around my war on, war on conviction yesterday, uh, last week, um, where people were saying that uh, one of the things that they see as being challenging to that is that it feels quite, feel quite vulnerable to not have uh, hard and fast things that they see as being foundational to them. And so I, I really thought it'd be great for me and Joe to sort of talk a little bit about vulnerability in the framing of, of well-being of clinicians at this complex time. So again, as usual, please do let me know if you can hear me okay. Just post a comment. Uh, I'll try and pull Joe in from the lobby and see if we can avoid the technical issues that we had yesterday and a little bit earlier. Uh, we were just trying to struggle a little bit with sound. So I hope it works. But hopefully if I press this button, Joe Turner joins me. Joe, can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Can you hear me? Brilliant. Lovely. Yes, absolutely. And, and the signal seems to be stabilizing a little bit. And so it should uh, it should continue to improve. I think the video is a little glitchy, but otherwise I can hear you. I can hear you fine. Right. Thanks for thanks for joining me. I want to know your uh, your first thoughts then uh, at the moment, uh, you know, with, with another challenging time for clinicians and then their well-being mm. and stuff. It's uh, quite important that we give some thought and some time to that. What's your sort of uh, take on the matter? Yeah, I think I think it's really interesting because I think it's a time where vulnerability um, becomes less of a choice and um, more something to work out how you handle. Um, and uh, apologies if my vision goes everywhere. I'm not. I can't see you. So if I look like I'm staring all over the place, I apologize. I'll try and get the camera. Oh, it's um, all right. so we, can, we can hear you fairly well. It's just, yeah, <laughs> the video's glitching a little bit, but it's least of us worries. So yeah, you just carry on. So when you first posed the question to me, Jack, um, I checked. I checked this morning. I thought, oh yeah, what is it we're talking about? And it was really interesting because what I heard was you saying, "Let's talk about how vulnerability makes other makes people react." And what I heard was other people react. And so I started sort of mind mapping and thinking, okay, yeah, vulnerability does cause a variety of different reactions in people. But then when I look back at um, what you'd actually said, you just said um, how it makes people feel. And so I thought, okay, well, yeah, we should talk about how does it feel to be vulnerable? And actually that got a lot more interesting in my head. Um, so <laughs> I, I looked at, um, I love etymology and I, I went and looked at vulnerability and I'm sure some of you probably know this so apologies if I'm teaching granny to suck eggs but the word vulnerability comes from the Greek word vulnus which means to wound so vulnerability is basically the ability to be wounded and um, Brenny Brand describes it beautifully as um, vulnerability being uncertainty risk or emotional exposure and so I thought further on that and I thought well how you feel when you're vulnerable isn't it, again it isn't really a choice because if you are truly being vulnerable then the only way you're going to feel is a little bit uncomfortable a little bit icky and a little bit fearful and if you're not feeling those things then it isn't vulnerability and i would say it doesn't have to be that awful sort of 
gushing, oh my God, I'm going to get destroyed. This is awful. How are we both going to cope with this situation? In my head, that's something different. I would describe that as victim behavior. But I think vulnerability is allowing yourself to be seen as you are and all your, your fears exposed, accepting that and being willing to show up anyway. And this time, I say that isn't really a choice, is it? We've got lots of things that I'm making us feel uncomfortable and a little bit scared and a little bit uncertain and definitely out of our comfort zone. So we have no option to to be vulnerable. I guess the option is whether you talk about it and whether you're open about it and whether you share it with people. That was a monologue, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it's brilliant. No, it's good to, good to have someone other than me doing uh, said monologues. It was certainly better than mine. And there was more in, more substance to it as well. I'm, um, yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's it's something that as a word, it, it matters what it, what it means. Mm. And it also, the distinction that you've made there with regards to sort of the vulnerability and, 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 and sort of the victimization of, of either yourself or others is, is irrelevant difference i suppose one of the things that it came up with um when i've been talking about conviction is that you've got how can people truly embrace and understand and learn to deal with a sense of vulnerability and some of the benefits that that brings you know some of the ways in which that opens your mind some of the ways in which it it allows you a sense of of, of comfort and stability to to both be able to recognize it but also it can really be a great learning experience to allow yourself to do it and to be open to more things. How can that stop people then becoming complete dithering idiots? If, if they're completely overwhelmed by the scale of, of, of uh, the enormity of complexity that surrounds us, and it can sometimes be quite a destabilizing thing. And I think that some of the feedback we had when I was sort of talking a lot about my challenge of conviction is that will people then, feeling like it, they're worried about it going too far the other way so I was wondering what your take mm. was on that I think you've got it you've got to take at your pace and in stages so if I understood your points correctly last week you were um, my my take from it was that you can't reach conviction unless you have investigated all avenues and you've allowed yourself to be challenged and that process of being challenged involves vulnerability you absolutely mm. have to put yourself out there say something and accept that somebody else is either going to go yes that's amazing that's the wisest thing i've heard in my life or talking utter crap and <laughs> and then you know from those two points or anything in between you've got to meander your way through to the point where you then feel you have got to the point where you can have conviction and i agree with you that um you know you shouldn't be espousing things without conviction but equally you shouldn't be um uh proposing that you, you have conviction about something if you haven't gone to that place and really tested it and be vulnerable. Um, so to answer your question, I think, like I said at the start, you've got to do it in stages and in your own, at your own pace. So it's not sort of throwing yourself out there, just making up some random statement, allowing everybody to come at you and, and then deal with it. It's, you know, for me, it would be go away, investigate something, get a few different viewpoints, put it out there, just as I'm doing today. I mean, don't get me wrong, this is me being vulnerable. My um, my little quiet child would rather sit at home and have my views and never tell anybody. But fortunately, my curious side is uh, slightly more keen than my my fearful side to get out here and discuss things. So mm. you know, please, please put things in the chat while we're talking about this, because it would be great to get some other viewpoints up. But I think you've got to you you can't avoid vulnerability, but it's got to be um, used in a way that feels okay for you. 
not comfortable because you're never going to move forward, but not at a point, not at a, in a way that's going to completely floor you and leave you a gibbering wreck on the floor, which is what I think people might have been alluding to. Absolutely. And I know what it's like when I have guests on and stuff and we're chatting. They're so used to me being the interviewer that the chat is quieter <laughs> when I have guests on. But yeah, please do share your thoughts on what it means to be vulnerable and what your experiences are with it, what your concerns might be. If they, uh, if we've covered some of them already, then let us know. Um, yeah, I think um, what, what I've found interesting and, and where I certainly get frustrated over and with, the, with the conviction side is, is, is people and we touched on this last time me and you spoke on, on this show where it's the, it's the fact that sometimes these are people offering a suggestion of conviction or a facade of conviction is often a protective characteristic, a protective trait, sorry, of, um, of people that are otherwise acting out and not necessarily understanding the way in which they should deal with uncertainty or vulnerability. And, and it's that defense mechanism that I'm concerned about when, it's sometimes that that those people that are doing that, I feel I've got I've got a, I suppose I've got a lot more time for. I think it's there's there's more moral, um, there's there's sort of a it's a more a moral position to be in than those that are completely blinkered in a, in a truly arrogant sense. Um, it, it just feels like you end up in the same place, but it's actually from a from a uh, a different background. And I want to be able to sort of tease those things out. It, it's, it concerns me that that people especially in circumstances like this at the moment where there's so much uncertainty that then if you oblige yourself to kind of be certain despite said uncertainty, then you, that's a, a surefire way of, of carrying too many cognitive loads and having to put on a big front in such a way that mm -hmm. that feels like a recipe for burnout, which I know is something you've given a lot of thought to before. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, you know, almost the beauty of this horrendous situation, that's a weird statement, but um, <laughs> is that, nobody absolutely nobody can say i i do know because i've been through this before i've got the experience i'm the expert here you are job done um and in some ways it's absolutely nobody can say that because it forces us as a profession and, and, and lots of other professions i'm sure as well to, to chat and to talk and mull it over and say what do you think and you know shall we go this way or now let's reverse let's 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 talk things over and you know, I know lots of people on here will be on the um, physio and therapist support group that Gemma started. And that has been, I think that's been the the most vulnerable place that I've seen physios go for a long time. And that's saying something because, you know, don't get me wrong, no one's spilling their guts on that um, Facebook forum. That they, they, they could be further to go, but there's a lot of really useful dialogue and, and, and working things out in an open way. And I think, you know, vulnerability is integrity really and i think that's what you're talking about with conviction it's mm. it's not saying that you know less than you do so that people feel sorry for you and, and bring you along and, and you know comfort you and it's not saying that you know more than you do so that you look great and, and everyone believes you and you become the leader it's it's that nice place in between where you have to work stuff out and you're just showing up as you are in integrity mm. absolutely i think that one of the things that we need to try and understand is because that's one of the th accusations that i got um certainly more privately than publicly because that's just sometimes the nature of where the uh, current flavor of hate mail comes but it's kind of that people that were even just critical friends of mine saying what you're on about with conviction is that not just you saying that you're you're trying to infer that the opinions you don't like are just sort of ideologically based and aren't very well thought out you know is it just that, that you're uh, you're actually 
coming up with new strategies in order to exert power over over opinions you don't like and and it's a shame that people might think that that's what i'm meaning um but actually in in that instance it's kind of i want it to be the very opposite of that it's actually something that i feel like it'd be of benefit especially in times of such chaos for all the cards to be on the table and for us to appropriately recognize what might be our own shortcomings as well as what our societal ones are for us to try and create something better moving forward and uh, and so it just seems that when we're thinking about that vulnerability you've experienced and witnessed as i have in that support group it's it's something that seeing people not just share those thoughts but then also come to appropriate community conclusions over how we can best act better together and to be stronger for it following dialogue and for the net positive effect that that's had that should be an example in which it's not just about us all wallowing or it's not all about us just all becoming more and more exposed it's actually been a strengthening exercise to mean that our vulnerability is something that has been a shared cohesive experience rather than something that then drives everyone apart because no one's got an opinion mm, yeah yeah and um it goes against what we're taught isn't it you go to physio school and certainly i came away with the impression that i needed to know answers and i needed to be right most of the time for the benefit of the patient that the patient didn't want to know that i didn't know and i distinctly remember um my first day uh it was actually not not when i was qualified it was my first day on placement it's probably uh, outpatient placement probably the first time my um senior actually felt brave enough to leave me alone in the room with a patient and um <laughs> i remember taking this objective looking at it and then going oh my god they actually expect me to know what's wrong with them and what to do about it um and you know therein started the uh <laughs> bit of knowledge with a bit of bluff i i would say um and <laughs> but you know but i was very sure that i needed to know the answer and i needed to portray that to the patient and you know the vast majority of cases yes that's that's a good relationship to have with the patient and i'm not suggesting you tell all your patients who don't know um what to do with them when they present their problems to you but i think there's definitely some middle ground to move away from this sort of um healer and sufferer relationship and to allow that space where you're asking them to be vulnerable um, and you're asking them to connect with you because otherwise the efficacy of your treatment is vastly reduced. You're asking them to say, tell me what's hurting you. Tell me how that fits into the context of your life. Tell me about yourself. Tell me who you are. And then we can work out together what to do about it. And I, I think if you expect somebody to do that when you're showing up with all your armor on as the, the expert, who isn't going to present themselves in anything other than the, the person in the uniform, then that relationship is going to be severely diminished, I think. So I think we need to, yes, we need to be professional. Yes, we need to lead the situation and be in charge. But I think we've got to understand that it's a, it is a co-creation. It's not a, um, a, a healer and wounded relationship. I think that people miss the opportunity to, to get some of the gains from that as well, whereby if you do that with a patient, they recognize the humanity in you because it's likely to be something that they experience because of a, being a fairly shared human universal. And some of the uncertainties that they have that's meant that they've found themselves in front of you in whatever context, mm. it's likely to be at least part of that is that they're having to 
and it almost it primes it in a way because they're yielding some responsibility to to go to you for said expertise and so sometimes people think that therefore you need to oblige that and you need to take on that and and, and take on that that responsibility and i think that instead of of just assuming that that is in a positional sense socially that you need to therefore take that that as being that uh, yeah healer and wounded type situation instead if you were to share openly what your thoughts are on the matter but then op you know making sure that you then demonstrate where when there is something that's a more complex circumstance that you're willing to share your own sort of vulnerability whereby you, you're not going to pretend and describe something you've got conviction over when you haven't and, and that doesn't mean you have to again just say well it could be one of hundred things what would i know and and, and sort of uh, trying to 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 be clumsy with it but similarly if you are in a situation where you feel that you want to uh, you know articulate your reasoning or say well these are the sorts of who's and ours of this sort of situation if it behaves like this we're looking at this and i need you to monitor these things more closely yourself because if it goes down this route this is the action i need you to take and and only you can take it uh, if it happens in the middle of the night you know these are the sort of safety mm -hmm. net features that overlap with more um, red flag issues but they certainly apply to other differential diagnoses or when it comes to complex management and rehab we know that the sort of dosage is going to be relevant to how people are behaving and so that there is such a, a net benefit to me of, of, of finding a better way in relationship with your own vulnerability that can improve your patient outcomes yeah. when people think that it's like how can i bottle this up more effectively how can i bottle this up more effectively in order to then masquerade better to patients which is just i just don't mm. think is a healthy thing to do and I think it's also, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know, so you, you won't have had the direct experience of every patient. That's, that's disingenuous to pretend that you have if you haven't. Mm -hmm. But I think it's okay to say you've got X, Y, and Z symptoms and it's, it's presenting like this. This is what I'm seeing. And I imagine that given what you told me about your family, your work situation, it probably feels a bit like this. Is that okay? Does that, how does that sound? Would you agree with that? Um, because, you know, we all know rehab programs, if two people the same rehab program, the outcome will be completely different because the meaning will be completely different for each person. And I, I think it's worth spending that extra 10, 15 minutes in a subjective assessment, working out how it feels and means to that patient and showing that you really see them and, and you understand them and you understand what it means in their life. Mm. I, I'm certainly uh, hopeful that we can, we can, be persuasive on that because i think it's a more comfortable position it's like there's, there's less of a falsehood to it it's sometimes mm. a bit weird um especially to change it overnight it, it certainly will throw your patients off <laughs> but um certainly transitioning to something whereby you're kind of sharing it on a more on a more human level it, it, mm. it's sort of a there's a there's a physical metaphor that i've used in workshops before and i can't remember i don't think it's one of mine but i can't remember exactly where i picked it up whereby if you start off face to face with someone eventually over time you end up alongside them facing yeah. the problem together and that positioning of it uh, metaphorically and physically can sometimes be how you can reframe something especially when it's something that uh, the patient is often bringing so much expertise to it um, and if you find a way to to have that conversation and, and as Andrew McCauley one of my colleagues says he's just saying one of the core things we need to try and aspire to in MSK is just be more sound yeah. just saying be, you know, be, be more approachable be more re relatable and i think that that's something that in these in these times where there's so much uncertainty that if you to you know the, the mask will fall off <laughs> you know it's such a silly thing right. if you you know that the sense of expertise is going to fall away if you if you think that in these mad times you're going to come be able to come across as if you've got all the answers when literally it seems no one has
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, your point about it feeling a bit weird, I would say it doesn't feel weird to me at all. And, and maybe that's because some way back I, I decided, right, I am dropping this mask because it's too tiring to keep it on. Um, and I, you know, I'm just going to show up as me. And um, part of me is the geek that likes all the the um, uh, facts and the figures and the research as well. So that's okay. So it feels perfectly authentic to marry that with who mm. I am and what I'm prepared to show and share with the patient yeah. in you know, a different way than I would with my best friend, but in a way that allows the patient and I to to move forward and and make sure that the outcome is is just right for the patient. Yeah, you're right to pick me up on that because it's like I'm saying it, 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 it will feel less weird, but it might feel unusual. <laughs> it'll, feel, it'll feel strange as you transition uh, yeah. almost, if, especially if you're someone that's uh, that's consciously been or unconsciously putting on a bit of a front where you're needing to perceive yourself to come across as an expert. You'll feel unusual. It'll feel odd to you, uh, but actually it should feel less weird because it's more authentic. Mm, but I suppose if you did it someone sees you for one session and then the following week having listened to this very persuasive podcast you're going to be in a situation where you completely yeah. flip reverse and change your style then that might startle them a little bit but um and, and uh and what we need to not succumb to which is one of the things that I, I really i definitely wanted to put to you is um what uh how do we make sure we don't succumb to uh like cliches as, uh, of counseling you know as if as if we're uh we're suddenly uh, overindulging that style in such a way that makes people um, feel like, and sometimes even their patients feeling like, that they might just be um, going into a, a sort of, the, 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 more, the darker side of, of, of a counselling gone wrong, like a, a patronising or condescending sort of tone and, and, and every other question being, how does it make you feel? You know, it's sort of, how do we make sure we don't succumb to those mistakes? I think it's just personal accountability. We all know, we know how it feels. We judge an interaction. Um, and I think you will use different, uh, or I certainly use different percentages of those approaches with different people. And you know, one of the things physios are great at is reading situations very quickly and reading people very quickly. And you know, absolutely hand on heart, there would be some patients that I would never ask them how it feels because you get that feedback straight away that that isn't the interaction that they want. Um, and I would say, you know, if we're talking about conviction again, I'm not saying be this way with every single patient. I'm saying be accountable, know what your job is, what your profession is, what the outcome needs to be, um, but adapt your approach appropriately for each patient and each situation. Mm. Um, and when I was writing notes for what I thought about this, I, I just wrote down brain surgeons. So if I was in front of a, a surgeon with a tumour and he was talking to me about the operation, I don't give a damn whether he's vulnerable or not. I want to know what he's going to do, the likely outcome, and, and if it's going to work. So I don't need him at that moment to ask me how I feel. But there damn sure better be someone in his team that, that is going to. Um, and I think when we're working in healthcare teams, it's okay to recognise that we all have different roles to play at different times and, at, and, and at different, in different parts of that team. Mm, no, absolutely. And it's uh, having that, those what roles and the context is so important, isn't it? It's, it's, it and, and we would be succumbing to a different flavor of the same mistake if we were to suggest that this this style is appropriate for any which context. Mm. It's just that there's some people that feel that it's never appropriate or it's something that interprofessionally that's like, Oh well, you know, as soon as as soon as I uh, I'm, I'm approaching, ta you know, tactically using things that I would converse with my friends or family over a sensitive matter professionally, then I've actually they see that as being a flaw because mm. there should be some sort of front. That's a, that's a mistake. But similarly, if you overindulge it in every which context, then you're going to make 
a very yeah. similar mistake of being inappropriate for want of a better term so it's uh it's a, it's an interesting balance to be had i've noticed a couple of comments that have come in thank you very mm. much kath um as ever uh, a thoughtful response from kath saying you made a great point regarding our expectation of patients vulnerability and the ownership of our own vulnerability and the fact that therefore an under you know i imagine an understanding of the term and what it means and what it means to us is, is essential to actually enacting it i guess yeah and actually you know this this conversation again has dan has um there's a danger of going into that kind of negative victim talk around vulnerability but actually we've talked a lot about the interaction between us and a patient but if we think about interprofessional vulnerability um i don't know about guys on the chat but one of the things that makes me feel most vulnerable is actually admitting what I want and what I need and what my ambitions are. You know, it's not, I, I'm actually fairly comfortable with telling someone I, I don't know something and I need their help and um, I need a, you know, a little bit of their wisdom on something. But to actually say, do you know, what? I've got this idea. I think I want something. I really want to go for it. Um, this is what I want. That is that's hugely vulnerable, but it's another, it's it's a flip side of it. And you, know, you could argue a much more positive side of it, but I think physios, another facet of physios is that we're quite used to playing small and you know we tend not to talk about our hopes and dreams and what we might want over and above what we've got at the moment, because that feels pretty vulnerable too, but it's a totally different side to vulnerability. It's a really interesting point. I suppose I've not, I think one of the things that, you know, you think about the character dispositions and stuff that I've probably not realized that side of it is that, um, you know, I was, the, the, the ridiculously lofty goals that I've had in various different roles I have in organizations and stuff and what we're certainly doing where accusations of it, of it being a, a tall order, you know, we get that a lot with MSKR means that I suppose I'm always doing that and it's probably feels less vulnerable making to me because of the nature of a thick skin both developed and dispositionally but actually yes that is a really positive way in which you're putting yourself out there and, mm. and certainly for people that have otherwise been concerned or would be typically concerned and sometimes understandably so of those being shot down if you share and articulate your vision and dreams mm. that they are then vulnerable to people poo-pooing them then that is something that is, is very exposing i suppose you know i'm someone that you know, chats enough shit on the internet i suppose that sometimes i've got uh, some good deflection techniques perhaps but it is it is something that is a much more positive take on a matter that's sometimes seen as being inherently negative katie napton makes a great point here uh saying adapting is key especially currently that that flexibility that being adaptable and being a bit of a chameleon is essential it, it's but something some, i suppose one question for you i know we're nearly out of time joe god these mm. things fly by don't they um what about because Adaptability, I, I agree with Katie there, I imagine you do too, but why do some people feel like being adaptable, being a chameleon is somehow false? Because if you truly were convicted and knew the truth, why would you need to adapt? Right, right, see, yeah, see it is. Because you'd be right, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, well, you wouldn't need to, you, you, you wouldn't need to adapt because your way, your, my way or the highway type situation, you know, you kind of know, you know your stuff and therefore why would you need to adapt? Whereas being being versatile and also i think that for me as well being adaptable shows a sense of genuine curiosity because you can't be you can't be convinced in a, in a negative session a negative sense because you're clearly being versatile because you're having to you know throw shit at the wall and see what sticks for mm. want of a better analogy and and being a bit more entrepreneurial in a way and, and being sort of testing the water it, 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 and it comes across i think it's a 
I'd even go as far as to say, uh, so when I've seen when I've had any person in any context doing it with with me, I feel it's really charming. I feel I find it really. Uh, I have a real affinity to those people because they're they're willing to 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 not they're not coming across as if they're sort of blinkered or narrow minded. No, I mean they're 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 taking the shield away, aren't they? They're going. This is me. This is what I think. I'm not sure. What do you think? Let's let's share it. Let's work it out. And as long as you don't come, I think the worst way to respond to somebody like that is to come back as an expert or, or with sympathy. You know, if, if someone comes to you showing vulnerability, for goodness sake, don't come out with, oh, gosh, I'm so sorry. That must feel dreadful. That's not uh, someone exposing themselves doesn't need that it's it's oh yeah okay yeah i i hear you and, and that makes me think about something a bit differently as well so let's let's talk about it and see where we that's go that's right it peaks interest doesn't it yes. if anything it should turn turn into uh uh and you don't have to be reciprocated in a, in a specifically identical way in fact that can sometimes be a mistake where people mm. say oh tell me about it yeah i've got that pl i've got that plus 20 <laughs> that can be a really a, a big mistake especially in, in a patient context or even amongst friends <laughs> now i notice we are out of time joe um the thank you so much for for braving our tech issues we know we needed to use your phone which has meant that the video has been a little glitchy unfortunately but the audio has been crystal clear i know from the last time you joined me on the show we'll get probably about 40 to 50 percent more downloads on the audio podcast because the nature of the content means that people like to be in a quiet space or go on a walk and listen to this material so i know that there's going to be some retrospective feedback and for those that are listening or those that have enjoyed this conversation wherever you might find it then please do let us know what you think because we are looking at how we might work this material and and, and visit other topics so if you feel that there's anything that you, me and joe want to reflect on in terms of clinician well-being and understanding coaching principles to try and better yourself both professionally and personally then do let us know we really are all ears at the moment and that can be in any format so get in touch on social media or probably then do let because uh, we really appreciate it and we're planning some more, hopefully more work together in the future because uh, these conversations are absolutely fascinating so thanks for joining again joe no problem thanks jack okay.